Welcome to the Your Dream or Mind podcast, the place to be if you dream of living a life of fulfillment, freedom, flow, and most importantly, fun. I'm Laura Cruz, the Dream Transition Mentor, the creator of the unique six-step Dream Transition Method, which will take you from idle daydream to transitioning into your wildly successful freedom-based business. Listen to inspirational stories from women who have been brave enough to take the leap from corporate and now live the life they've always dreamed of. Women like you and me. They did it, I did it, and you can too. Grab a cuppa, find a cosy spot, then sit back and enjoy the episode. My guest today on the Your Dream or Mind podcast is Elizabeth Stiles. Couldn't get my teeth in then. Um, I know, a lot of people think I sell tiles, like Elizabeth Stiles. (laughs) Elizabeth Stiles, who is a fashion brand consultant um, who literally lives up the road from me. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, another Bedfordshire friend that I can add to my list. Absolutely. So what's really interesting about how Elizabeth and I met is, um, well, we haven't met face to face yet. We're just talking on Zoom. But um, when I had the last meeting of my networking group, the Dream Life Business Club, I had uh, the fabulous Lisa Johnson in. And then I think she shared something on her socials about coming along. And then you saw that and then you messaged me and said, because, I mean, you literally live two miles up the road, don't you? And you said, oh, I... How did I miss this? Yeah, you said, I've just seen this. I didn't know anything about that. And and I thought, wow, that just shows, one, the power of networking is when you get women together and then women talk about the great event and then pulling other women in. But secondly, sometimes you feel like you are just saying your message over and over again and you feel like people must, everybody must know because you feel like you say it so much. Surely everybody knows, and they don't. So there you no. go. If you are, if you are any pop it posting on social media once a week, it's not enough. <laughs> no, exactly. And also sometimes it goes even further where you think, God, everyone must hate me now after I've been talking about this so often. And yeah, like me, little old me, who's like the ideal person to turn up to that event, just had no idea it was even on so just keep talking about your thing and then yeah more people will hear it well I mean if if people in Amptill don't know about my book by now I mean where have they been that's all I've talked <laughs> about in just wafting around Amptill in pink holding a book up um, so um Elizabeth tell us tell us a bit about your you're a fashion brand consultant tell us about um, kind of your backstory, what what you did when you were um, in, uh, you know, in a conventional employed job. Yeah, well, I won my job in quite an unconventional way in a competition. So when I graduated from university, um, they they set a competition up uh, in collaboration with Next and said, can somebody like design us a collection that's not in store? You have to think about your price point and think about the fabrics. And I did this little black dress collection. In all honesty, I really did not think I would win. Like when they came to announce the winner, I was sat looking out the window. I'm such a daydreamer. And they were like, Elizabeth. And I was like, oh, my God, thanks. And um, so they said, you can come in and do some work experience. But actually, we need some help. Like, do you want a job? And, you know, like dream as a a graduate to be like gifted a job. I was like, yeah, all right. Um, And then like I stayed there for five years. Um, However, 
I, as we now know, I am not from Leicester where we were because I I actually had a boyfriend that I was doing like long distance with throughout uni and I've been like oh it's only three years um then I'll come back and I'll get a job in London and we'll move in together and um anyway I stayed at next for another five years and did long distance for another five years and you know still together now which is nice um but it was just so like unplanned I guess to stay there for that long but I really loved it and I got a job as a fashion brand uh, sorry a fashion buyer for women's wear and after five years I was like it's time to come home now and I got a job for Miss Selfridge working at Arcadia and from day one I knew it was going to be the worst year of my life Um, it was awful it was every bit as bad as what you hear it is you know like with Philip Green and like workplace bullying and people crying in the toilet so on my tour on on day one where they're like welcome you know here's this here's that here's the printer here's the toilet if you need to cry and I was like sorry what actually (laughs) said that that was part of your tour of the of the office and I was like wow Mm -hmm. okay um and luckily like I did stick it out for the full year but I hated it and it made me think about how maybe I don't want to work in fashion anymore like it really sort of nearly pushed me out the industry but luckily got a job at George at Asda after that working on the kids wear team and fell back in love with the job I loved it it was so fun there's a lot less pressure on kids wear as well um like sales wise compared to women's wear so that was cool and then a few years later I went to work at a supplier as an account manager so rather than being a buyer I was a supplier to the buyer yeah Um, so sort of seeing it from the other side and working with all different retailers which was nice so rather than being engulfed in one I was working with River Island and New Look and Warehouse and Urban Outfitters you know over the space of a few different years so in 2018 I was kind of bored in my job and the, com- the supplier decided to set up their own brand. And I was like, you know, volunteered myself. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll launch that. I'll manage the project. i kind of looking for something new. And I was just like, this isn't it, you know? Like, I'm still bored. And I can also see how much work it is to start a brand. And I wonder how many other people are looking to launch a brand that don't have, like, financial backing and don't have a team of designers and don't have, like, an industry background. Like if we're noticing how much work needs to be done, I wonder if somebody from like a beauty background wanted to start a fashion brand, how would they approach it? Like they wouldn't know anything about manufacturing and fabrics and sourcing and costing. So I sort of dived into a couple of small business Facebook groups and said, does anyone need any help? Like this is my background. I'm happy to help for free. I just want to do a bit of market research and got this influx of messages I bet. Um, and said yeah yeah I'm looking to start I'm starting I've got, I've got stuck my factory's being a nightmare like can I talk to you about this and when I saw that people are struggling with the things that I thought they might be struggling with it gave me a lot of confidence to set, start out on my own brilliant love it <laughs> I, was, you know, I was just gonna say I was gonna say that's so interesting and then my friend Mel popped into my head who says 
stop saying it's so interesting because you say that all the time. <laughs> um, so I was suddenly like, oh no, what am I going to say? What can I say instead? What can I say instead of interesting? So when you decided then, like what, like you so you did this work, you put it out there, and people said, yeah, yeah, and they, you know, obviously they, people love a bit of a bit of help and yeah. Uh, bit of free help as well. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I don't want to be rude, but they love a bit of free help, right? Yeah. But then what happened then for you to, you know, did you go straight into working for yourself or what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, that was like the whistle stop tour. But if we were to zoom into that section, I would say I was definitely addicted to my salary. Um, mm. And somebody called it corporate crack, which mm. I can totally relate to that phrase it is as addictive I imagine as crack I've not actually tried it so I wouldn't know but um it's just really scary to like cut the ties and I had to do a huge amount of mindset work around money and your self-worth around money and thinking yeah somebody would pay you for what it is that you know um it took a I would say that process maybe took about nine months so where I was speaking to people for free I was probably doing that for about nine months um and I was also on a three-month notice period and I knew that I wanted to start working for myself in September because I thought people start needing help in September. It's like that back to school feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the kids are back at school. They start thinking about themselves again. And you almost have this window between September and Christmas where people really like hammer their goals before the end of the year. Yeah. But I had this realization in June and I was like, June, July, September. Like August, oh my god, like I need to have my notice in now in order to leave by September. And but I didn't feel like mentally ready. And I don't know, I feel like in looking back, I was having some sort of nervous breakdown because I I it was so unlike me to do something that risky. And I just thought I'm gonna go for it. And I handed my notice in and said, you know, I'll I'll happily work like the three months notice because I, you know, in all honesty, I need to save some money still. And I didn't actually tell them what it was that I was planning to do because I didn't want anyone to like get in my head about like talking me out of it. Yes. Um, So I actually blamed it on the commute because it was like an hour and a half in and an hour and a half out of London. And I thought he can't argue with that. Like if I just say the commute is too much and I'm going to take a break in my career and have a think about what I want to do. He was like, okay. Whereas if I said, you know, I wanted to go out on my own, one, he might have booted me out there and then yeah, <laughs> yeah. fear of like competition or whatever, even though it's, it's not. And I don't think he would have done it, but that I didn't know that at the time. So um, I would say definitely having some savings, doing your market research and having the confidence to know that people will pay you for your skills. Are, yeah. um, some things that I learned over those few months. It's so great to hear you uh, say something, which is what I talk about in my my book. Did I mention I've got a book Did out? Did you mention you've written a book? Dream it and do it. But it's so it, it's so good for you to say the thing that I've written about, where I say that 
so the reason I wrote the book and the reason for my business is that I think there's so many women want to work for themselves, but they they allow or that the the lack of confidence, the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, the, the fear around money, and obviously fear around money is legitimate, but often it's money mindset rather than the actual money. Do you see what I mean? It's often yeah, about money rather than the actual money. Yeah, a lot. Of, I would say most people that I talk to, when they think about quitting their job, they automatically assume that they're going to earn less. And yes. rather than assuming that you are removing the limit on your salary yeah. and now you have the potential to earn more, yeah. that's not even a thought process that goes through a lot of people's minds when actually that's more than likely going to be the case. Yeah. And one of my friends said to me um, before I was, when I was thinking about, you know, going out on my own. And it's always stayed with me. It's such a powerful thought. She said, you know, when you work for somebody else, you're limited, aren't you? There's a cap on what you can earn, what you can do, what you're allowed to do, what the projects are, blah, blah, blah. Because you've got to sit within the brand or you've got to sit within the culture or the ethos of the business. And when you work for yourself, you don't have that, which sometimes I find I'm a bit too free because I'm a bit like excitable about things. But yeah, you are your only limit because you can keep going. Mm-hmm. Can't you? You can you can push harder or you know softer. You can push. You can earn as much or as little as you want. You can just keep going. But the bit where you said about when you were when you were going to resign and you said you didn't want anybody to kind of talk you about out of it or or you know put doubt in your mind. And that's in my book. I talk about how until you're ready to confidently share your idea with somebody, don't share it because what happens is. I'm not encouraging, you're not lying, you're not you're not keeping a secret. It's just that if you share it too early and somebody goes, oh, my God, are you joking? Why would you do that? You must yeah. be mad. And then immediately what happens is you go, oh, yeah, no, you're right. I must be mad. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it because they love you. Most yeah, of the they're time. not doing it. They're not being horrible. Yeah. And but I like of it is also projection that yes. them saying you must be mad is them saying I would never do that yeah and that's yeah. fine you know like and you don't want to do it I can still do it yeah and it it sometimes it's oh you must be mad and because oh I'd secretly love to do that but I I don't have the confidence or you know blah 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 but also working for yourself is not for everybody. So if you have no desire ever to work for yourself, it's very hard to understand why somebody would. Yeah. It's- Do you know what I mean? My husband and I were talking about this yesterday, just about like he would never want to work for himself. I love working for myself. It's fine. Neither's right. Neither's wrong. Yeah. They're just different. Different strikes, different folks. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I can tell you now, I actually liked my job. And I got paid well and I liked everybody in the office. There was no like real push away. You know, some people are like, I got um, made redundant or, um, I don't know, the business went under and I had to do it or I hated my boss and I was desperate to leave. I didn't really have any of that. Like I just had this feeling that it was time to go and it was maybe a bit of a woo-woo sort of feeling. Maybe it was just getting older but I, I don't know. It was just really, it, it felt like a pull within me just to, it was time to go. Yeah. And I really love that because we do always feel that it, things must be bad for us to want to change. I I had a very good job before I... Um, what did you last, do? My last corporate job. So I was head of learning and development for 
uh, you'll know them. The, the pub company has got the pub in Amptill, the White Hart. So I was head of learning and development for Oakman. And I had a very good job. I worked there for five years by the time I left. Um, great company to work for. Great ethos, great culture, really supportive of their people. Paid well, company car, pension, discount in the White Hart and in the other pubs, discount on hotels. And all of that. So there's nothing wrong with it. I had it all, but I didn't want it anymore. And that's no disrespect to them. I just thought I want something different. And actually the the the, the kind of push for me was thinking, I would I get made redundant? You know, a, a chance conversation with somebody. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I'll get made redundant. What will I do next? Who would I like to work for? So I, I, I'm very much, in, rather than conventionally applying for jobs, I would think about who I wanted to work for rather than look for a job. Does that make sense? I'd go, yeah. does that company fit my values? Does that, would I like to work for them? And anyway, so I was like, who would I like to work for? And this, this, just this voice in your head went, Laura, why don't you work for yourself? And I was almost a bit like, oh, where did that come from? But it was like the genie was out of the lamp. I couldn't put it back in. And then I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, thinking about it. I thought, oh, I'm going to work for myself. I have got no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm going to work for myself. And it's time. It's I love time. that because you start to think that you're ungrateful for what you have. And, you know, you're, those voices in your head go, you know, you've got the company car and you've got the pension, you've got this. You should be happy where you are. And you're still wanting for more. And it's like, I don't know, those sorts of feelings were getting into my head. Maybe because I did work in fashion and it gets drilled into, you should be so grateful to be here. People would um, snap at your ankles to get your job. And so to to think that if I liked it and I was happy, like, why would you consider leaving that? Doesn't make any sense. And I had, I was on this course at the time that was all to do with money mindset, funny enough. And the there was a lady who was running it and she was Canadian. And every now and then she would just sort of like hop in on the calls in her pajamas and do these random lives and be like, oh, does anyone have any questions? And I happened to be there. And I said, I can't shake this feeling of feeling like I need something to be wrong in order to leave you know um and she said oh but why do you have to wait until it's broken in order to leave because when you start your business you need to be in a really good space mentally and so why would you run your energy into the ground and wait until it's like pretty low you know maybe your confidence is low your reserves are low to start something that needs like a huge amount of energy behind it like why can't you leave when you're in a really good place and put that good energy into the thing that you want to do and I was like oh my god I feel like I've had a breakthrough (laughs) (laughs) moment yeah it's yeah I yeah I've never heard it said quite like that but I love that because I, I'm a great believer and you kind of have chapters in your life and, and, and moments and it's, it's okay to let it go. And I think it shows, uh, hearing what you said then, I think it shows how much I wanted it, you know, when people said, but why would you give up, you know, your pension, your pension? <laughs> I know. Oh. I want my freedom more. I want my because, life. <laughs> yeah, because I want something different. And for me, my my work, my life, my business and how I've created it, and how I help my clients to move forward is because they want the four F's in them in their life. They want freedom, they want flow, they want fulfillment, and they want fun. And I tell you what, I have those four things in my life 
in spades. Not so much the last month because it's been a bit crazy, but that's okay. Because you know what? I'm working hard for myself. I've worked harder in the last month than I have since I left my corporate role. It's been insane. But tell you what, it is building everything for me. So it's okay. I don't want to work like that all the time, but it was okay. You know, it's manageable because I'm building, I'm continuing to build this amazing life, you know, and adding more and more in. But like not more and more work, but just opening myself up to all the things that I can do. I know. And I imagine you're probably the same that you worked for a man. And um, I didn't actually. I worked for a woman. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I, that's interesting. Well, I, I just felt like I am fantastic I, woman. Mm. I was quite good at my job. And I thought, I wonder if I could stop making money for men and make money for women instead. <laughs> that was a, another part because I was like, I'm putting all this money into their pockets. So I was a sales type, like sales manager. And so I was like, you know, given these targets for like £10,000 a week. And sometimes it would be like £100,000 a week. And I was like, that's a lot of money, you know, like mm. even if I had 1% of that a week, I could live off that. And so yeah. um, I just thought if I could, gen- if I can generate that money, it might be in a different way, but I, I know I have the power to generate money inside. Yeah. Me. I know that feels, sounds a bit woo woo, but I am a bit woo-woo. Um, and I was like, I don't want to put money in Philip Green's pocket anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought. You, that's, that's really interesting because I, I did work for a woman. Uh, my boss was the HR director. The company was owned by a man. But I never really felt that because I just loved the ethos of the business. But what I do have now with my networking group, the Dream Life Business Club, is um, is a way of it's networking in a different way. So it's not that kind of pyramidy bullshit. You've got to bring people <laughs> yeah. in. There's only one spot. So Elizabeth, if if we've already got a, um, a fashion brand consultant, you can't come in. Um, and it's none of that. And it's like kind of dip in, dip out, you know, come bring your friends in the nicest way. Don't come if it's not for you. And people, some people don't like it and that's fine. You know, with free, free, freedom and you know choice and everything but um just recently so um somebody local sean has set up a new bookshop in the water mill and she said the shelves were empty oh yeah well because she's so she set that up and then she sent me a message and she said that so she comes to the networking group and then um one of the girls nick um who runs red peacock photography did a brand shoot for her on Friday just before she opened. And she said, look, two members of the Dream Life Business Club working together. I was like, it's like my plan has come together. So (laughs) it's women helping other women to grow their businesses, but not in a, not in a schmoozy kind of sleazy, salesy way, in a really genuine, I love your work. Could you help me? I'm going to do this. Yes. Come on. You know, love it. Yeah, and keeping the money flowing in the yeah. in the right circles. Yeah. So how did you how did you identify then if you think about what you did when you were employed, how did you identify which aspects of that you would take to you know take into your own business? Yeah, well, what I missed out maybe is part of the story is that around 2016, two years before I left, I started my own stationary brand. And it was very like handmade. It was cute. You know, I went to like markets and stuff and it was almost like a practice run at running a business. And what I saw 
it, it was good because it helped me come to networking events and, you know, have a reason to be there rather than just being a girl who worked in fashion. I was like, I've got a business. Even if it was a really small business, it felt like it gave me validation to be at things like that. Yeah. And um, it never made like huge amounts of money, but, you know, it always like looked after itself. And I met so many people who were in like the, the marketing space. And, you know, even I've moved into that space a little bit myself now, but I didn't meet one single person in the manufacturing arena, uh, if you like. And I was like, no one is talking about how to manufacture clothes or like help people. And after that year at Arcadia, when everyone was a bitch, (laughs) apart from like one or two people, maybe, but pretty much everyone in that office was not very nice. I was like, you don't need to be a bitch to work in fashion. Like you can be a nice yeah. person and help people get into the industry and maybe be like a friendly face in fashion. There, I don't feel like there is a friendly person that you would associate with the fashion industry. Everyone is either like glamorous or sexy or rich or I don't know, whatever, you know, secretive. And I thought, why isn't there someone friendly to help these people? And it, it really came off the back of that year at Arcadia. It like definitely planted a seed. And so there was that. Then seeing there was nobody helping people with manufacturing. And I thought, aha, like if I could have a bit of a niche, there is something there. Like I've got over a decade of experience working with factories, sourcing, costings, finding fabrics for the right products and creating ranges and you know knowing what countries produce what fabrics best and lead times like there was so much in it you know that nobody was talking about and I think it's also like a tiny bit dry compared to like sales and marketing is maybe more like sexy whereas manufacturing can be a bit like boring and I was like I wonder if I make it more fun to talk about manufacturing Mm. And when I put those messages in the Facebook groups to say, like, what do you need help with? The majority of it was around manufacturing because it's not a public facing industry. I would say most factories that I've worked with over my career don't even have a website because their whole um, business comes from word of mouth. Yes. So if you're not in the know, you won't. Yeah, yeah. How do you find out then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was around maybe opening some doors and just helping people know where to look and where to find somebody and to even know what they're looking for. Like somebody might say, oh, I'm looking for a cotton fabric. And I was like, cotton isn't a fabric, it's a fiber. And like all these like little mm. nuances in manufacturing that I wanted to help people with. So yeah, that's kind of like the first step. And then people did start manufacturing and they started a brand and they were like, now can you help me sell it? And I was like, yes, <laughs> because I've also got the sales experience on yeah. the other half of my career. So, so do you still help with the manufacturing side? I do from more like one-to-one stuff. Yeah. Yeah. One-to-one coaching. I'd say that's probably the majority of what I help people with is yeah. like fixing production issues and um, sourcing and, um helping people scale as well yeah but but I was going to ask you how does it translate like the big business that you were doing to small businesses do you see what I mean how does that I know I know you're talking about scale there but obviously people start lower don't they start smaller 
not lower, yeah. smaller, and then rise up. So how do you translate that kind of? Oh, in all honesty, like if you're buying and selling something, it doesn't really matter what it is or how many you're selling of it. Like the the theories of sales are all the same. The theories of manufacturing are all the same. And what I tell people if they're starting out is try and negotiate the quantity to be lower. Whereas in a bigger um, company, you would try and negotiate the cost price to be lower. Um, Because when you're starting out, you don't have the negotiation power if you're only buying 10 units compared to 10,000 units. Whereas a lot of manufacturers don't want to take on those smaller quantities you have to find somebody that is prepared to take that on in the first place and just try and get your quantity as low as possible when for that first order to test it. So yeah. many people don't test the figure like a proof of concept. And so you might talk about it with your friends and your family tell you it's a great idea, but there's another thing of people actually getting their wallet out and paying for the thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say that's like the big difference is rather than trying to negotiate price early on, try and negotiate a really small quantity, put it out there, mm. test, learn, tweak, repeat. Yeah. So what do you get from your business then? So we've heard about what your clients would get but what do you get from it oh god I just love it <laughs> I can tell I, I love, I love it. helping creative people make money yes when you're at school you get told you're going to be this poor starving artist starving artist yeah a high-flying career woman or man maybe more likely um and you don't get told that you can be both And I love being like somebody that, you know, younger girls or guys or creative people can look at and go, she's in a creative industry and she's making money and she's like making money using her creative skills. Mm. And that is just like such an important message for me to get across because when I, I went to like this posh girls school and I it was very academic and I'm not that academic. I sort of like literally scraped in. They told me I scraped in. And nice. that's nice to say. It's <laughs> yeah. a nice thing to think about yourself. You <laughs> when you're 11. <laughs> yeah. Like feeling like a really small fish in a really big pond. But I loved textiles. I loved creativity. And it was all about like getting your degree and going off and studying. And I was like, this just doesn't sound like something. I would do I wouldn't even know what degree I would get because I can't draw for one but I'm also not that academic so where do I fit in Mm. and I found this course called fashion retail buying and I was like aha like this is the thing like I'm so excited um this is what I need to get in these are the entry requirements I can smash that that's easy it was about having you just needed two grade C's and a really good portfolio of work anyway went back in, input my options and my headmistress pulled me into her office and said, Elizabeth, you need to have a really serious think about this degree because looking on your uh, application, you only need two grade C's to get in. And if you only need two grade C's, you should have a really good think about the kind of people that you're going to be mixing with. Um, If you only need that to get in. I know. Nice again. (laughs) Again, suggesting that if you can't, if academically you can't get higher than a C, you must be an absolute failure. Yes. And I was like, 
what are you saying? You are saying that creative people are like low lifes. Yeah, people- totally written off. Yeah, and I was like, I can't believe it. And I was like only sort of 17, 18 at the time. But I knew what she was saying was wrong. And I went home and told my mum and my mum was like, just suck it, I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and just go anyway. And obviously met like my friends for life and met like the most incredible diverse group of people. And um, had the time of my life, won the job, you know, got my career off the back of it. So, but I was annoyed at her and I'm still annoyed at her because it sort of could have so easily taken me off track oh. out of fashion if I... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My parents were like her and said, yeah, I agree with her. I'd be like, oh, okay, Uh, maybe I shouldn't do that then. Um, You know, and and first, I've got children, um, well, young adults, um, and my daughter's just in year 13 doing her A-levels, and the message, she's not going to go to university, that she doesn't want to, it's not her thing, she doesn't want to. Yeah. She she's got that she's got it in her to go, but she just doesn't want it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. She's really good at creative writing. It's not her thing. And I totally respect that. It's her decision. But the amount of pressure that she's having put on her. Wow. Um, and because, you know, what if you don't go to university? Well, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Get, get a job. Get a job. <laughs> yeah. Learn as you go. You know. Work experience. You know, my eldest son is at university, so it's not. I'm not anti-university, but I tell you what, I'm anti is telling people, telling kids that they should do a particular thing. Yeah, and what they the should. The other thing is, if they they're very quick to write off the kids who are not academically, you know, as, as in they won't get the the grades that tick the box, but you know, they are gifted in so many ways so yes okay maybe they don't hit the top of the league table but they've got so much to offer don't bloody write kids off I know because she disregarded the portfolio section of the entry requirements I was like you don't just need two grade C's to get in you also need to wow them with your creativity that you've not taken that into account so what you're saying is you don't take creativity seriously you don't think fashion is like a serious career path. And so I think that oh, is yeah. where this like fire in my belly energy comes from. <laughs> yeah. It's like helping creative people make money. That is like the big love it. Yes. I love it. So um before we finish, is there something that I could keep talking to you, but I'm conscious of time. Uh is there something that you wish you had known when you started out, you know, now that you're kind of what, five years, four or five years down the line, is there something you wish you had known back in 2018 when you started out? Yeah, I realised maybe like a year ago (laughs) that I wish I'd known earlier that I didn't have to rely so heavily on my industry experience for people to respect me. And so I was always like, hi, I'm Elizabeth and I've got 15 years experience in the industry. <laughs> like I'm trying to get it out so fast um, because I I am quite playful. I'm quite silly. You know, I've got chubby cheeks. I'm quite short. And so I don't know if people would look at me and take me seriously for like who I am. Um, I always felt like my industry experience like had to back that up. And I had this really incredible mentor at the time. And she was like, you need to let that go. Like you, you're experienced like within your own right. And yeah, that's obviously helped you to get to this point. 
but you know the energy the passion the enthusiasm like the the message that you're trying to get across is just as important as the fact that you've worked for next yeah. you know yeah like I had to sort of cut the ties to that as being my whole identity it's more just like a part of my identity yeah yeah I love that we get really bogged down with that. We're, same with qualifications. We get really bogged down with that. Yeah. It's about it's like who you are and it's yeah. not. No, exactly. Love it. Oh, I've really enjoyed talking to you, Elizabeth. I'm so Thank glad you. you reached out to me and I'm going to meet you in, like, in real life, IRL, in a few minutes. IRL. Um, Elizabeth, where can my listeners find you? Um, come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Elizabeth Styles UK and it's S T I L E S, not a Y. Not like, like Harry. Styles. No. <laughs> and Elizabeth with a Z. Yeah, yes, okay. exactly. Elizabeth Styles UK. Come and find me. Have a chat. Talk about creativity and passion and money. And, you know, I'm a chatterbox, as you can probably tell. So come and talk to me. Love it. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Your Dream or Mind podcast with me, your host, Laura Cruz. If you'd like to get your hands on my brilliant new book, Dream It and Do It, Six Steps into Your Own Dream Life and Business, then have a look on Amazon. You can order it today and get it tomorrow. The doors to the Dream Life Academy are always open. So once you've read the book, come on over and join me in the Academy. My mindset, coaching program and community all in one is the best place to be to live your own dream life.